Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intracasso. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor, go give us a great rating on iTunes. It helps us a bunch. Seriously, if you've been listening to the Tome but paying nothing for it, go give us a five-star shout-out. I will read it verbatim on the show. Make me say anything you want, but keep it clean, people. This is a family D&D news podcast. Today's five-star review is short and sweet. It comes from the one and only Jeff C. Stevens, big supporter of the show. Thank you so much, Jeff, for everything you do. He's also an amazing writer on the DMs Guild, so people should check out his products. He's a great, great adventure designer. Check him out. You're going to find tons of good stuff. He even includes tie-ins to the main storylines that Wizards of the Coast puts out. Most recently, he's put out one for Storm King's Thunder. So if you're playing through that, check out Jeff C. Stevens. All right, that was my plug for him. Here's his plug for me. His review is five stars, and it's entitled Bonnie, which is the name of my wife who was on this podcast And he says, it was wonderful hearing Bonnie and James talk about Bonnie and Friends' introduction to the game and that her husband loves her so much. An excellent interview. Well, thank you so much, Jeff C. Stevens. It is certainly my favorite interview that I have ever done on this show, and it was really fun and rewarding. Uh, So, guys, go leave us a five-star review. We're running out, and I want to read them for you. Make me say anything. Hey, please use the affiliate links at thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild. It helps support the show. You just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the banners in any set of show notes, and then shop as you normally would. Doesn't cost you anything extra, but gives us a couple pennies from your sale. It is awesome. I'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, OpenGamingStore.com. My product pick from OpenGamingStore.com is the Cobalt Press Pathfinder Mega Bundle. $200 worth of product for $29.95. That is a steal. OpenGamingStore.com has it all. You can find a direct link to this mega bundle in the show notes. And now, here to tell us all about OpenGamingStore.com is a celebrity guest. It is your dad asking you why you always play these silly games. Hey, kids. What are you doing down there? Look at you. Playing your your games here in the basement. Why don't you go outside? Get a little sun. You know, if I were you, I would at least save money on my hobby. And I'd do that by going to OpenGamingStore.com. They have tons of great deals on PDFs, hardcover print products, and all sorts of other goodies you kids like with your nerd stuff. Anyway, I'm gonna go out back. Try to keep it down up here. Alright, OpenGamingStore.com. Next time you buy an RPG book, go there, tell them the Tome Show sent you. And use the coupon code TOMESHOW2016 to get another 10% off. Alright, bye. Everybody, today we've got a real treat on the Tome Show. I have a special guest named Doug Cole, who is a good friend of mine. He's a great game designer. He's done a lot of great stuff for GURPS. Uh, and now he has switched his focus to 5th edition D&D. Uh, he's got a Kickstarter right now that we're going to talk about called Dungeon Grappling. He's preparing for another one called Dragon Heresy. He is a great amazing dude but he's also an awesome designer and we just have a really long great conversation about game design in general you're really going to want to check this one out he 
is really fun, really cool, and his whole focus is how can he take things in the game, like grappling, that seem complicated and boring and make them fun. Uh, and he certainly manages to do that. So without further ado, here is game designer Douglas Cole. Okay, everybody, now I am here with the man, the myth, the legend, Douglas Cole. Doug, welcome to the roundtable, man. It's great to finally have you here. I'm very glad to be here, James. It's uh, you know, I, it was it was great when I interviewed you back when uh, I was just starting out, and it's wonderful for you to return the favor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I was just starting out and uh, got to be on Gaming Ballistic, which was amazing. I had such a great chat with you. I really, really loved it, and I'm now I'm glad that you're here because we can continue great chats. Indeed. So let's talk a little bit about 5th edition D&D and sort of your your love for 5th edition D&D because I feel like uh, when we first sat down to talk to each other when I was on Gaming Ballistic, you're a big GURPS guy. Uh, you know, you look at a lot of systems on your blog, Gaming Ballistic, uh, but you have recently really, really gotten into 5th edition. What is it that you love about 5th edition D&D? So you know, the thing that I really liked about it when it came out in the mini edition and then and then even more so with the player's handbook and the Dungeon Master's Guide, etc., is that I feel like it's got the sensibilities of some of the sort of old school basic editions in that it's boiled down to, to your good stuff um, and it's relatively straightforward. I, I feel like mechanically that the edition really has hewed to an ethic of simplicity where there are really only a couple mechanics that they're going to be using. Uh, and the great example, and, and, and frankly, one of the posts that got you know a zillion hits relatively anyway on my blog was when I talked about the advantage and disadvantage mechanic. I love it. I love it to death. I think it can be used and ported to other games. The, the concept of rolling a single die twice and and taking the best or the worst, depending, is a great way of taking all of the complicated charts, plus this, minus this, here's a fiddle, there's a fiddle, everywhere's a fiddle, and just saying, forget it. Roll two dice, pick your best, move on. And, and that sensibility of get to the action, I think, permeates the system. And But at the same time, it's got a lot of hooks to hang a couple different mechanics off of you know it's got enough that i was able to 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 you know to modify it and i'm doing a game on my doing a game myself based on the wonderful open gaming license and the srd that they put out um but anyway what i really like about it is that it it, it feels like the dnd that i played when i was 10 or 12 and yet it's brought a lot of more sophisticated modern mechanics and sensibilities to it. So you, you get all the depth and detail that you want, and you can write a rule for everything if you choose to. You don't have to. But all of those are obeying a basic roll d20 plus a bonus against a target number. Occasionally you do a contest, and then there's a damage roll. But they've really gotten down to a couple core mechanics relatively few special cases. They're going to stop the game while you look up rules. And you know, I, I kind of like bounded accuracy. I mean, there, there are some issues with it, perhaps, but, um, and I don't know that I'd call any out. I mean, I'm just, some people are going to be like, oh, bounded accuracy is terrible. But I kind of like the fact that, you know, four or five 
fifth level characters can take on a 15th level gladiator, which happened in one of Rob Conley's games that I was playing in. And we can win by the skin of our teeth. And so, yeah, I really like the fifth edition. It's easy to write for. It seems like it'd be easy to do prep for, and it's easy to convert. So it's been a lot of fun. Anyway, it's got enough depth that you can you can do a lot of stuff with it, and and so I really I really like it. But it, and it's easy to teach people how to play. Yeah, I think it is an incredible system for all of the reasons you just mentioned. Uh, the simplicity, but also the versatility, really makes this, in my opinion, one of the greatest editions of Dungeons and Dragons. And also, just the way the materials are written, they give so much agency back to the dungeon master you know third and and fourth edition sort of gave a lot of agency to the players and i feel like there's the even in the player's handbook there's all this language about like remember that the dm has the final say the dm has is running the show and and they can change the rules that are written here the rules that are written here are not law you know the the dm's word is sort of more the law which helps streamline the game and move things along because it doesn't make you feel like you need to flip through a book if you don't necessarily know a rule right Um, yeah yeah i agree and and in a way i guess what i'd say is putting that right out in front frankly i mean all games are supposed to be that way some of them return agency very strongly to the players but you know ultimately it, it it you feel a lot like the agency is where it should be you know fate for example is a very strong agency game for both the gms and the players gurps can be and should be a very strong rule zero game the jam has the final say but it has such mounds of reference material that frequently the GM will allow it to not be. I have a very, like Christopher Rice, my buddy is, and GURPS, very prolific GURPS writer, is a very, very strong rule zero guy. He will just say, this is the way it's going. We're going to move on now. Mm-hmm. And if you want to argue about it, take it to email. And that's exactly right. Move the game along. Don't let it bog down. I think fifth edition brings a lot of that to the table natively. But I, I do like how that they say, look, you know, the GM is is your your orchestra conductor. Let him do his thing. Uh, play great music and and let's go. Wow, wow, that is awesome, dude. Uh, you know, <laughs> and I I just love the way that your brain works when you're you're thinking about this kind of thing. And I think it's true, right? Like that's the way to to run the games is to to keep fun at the forefront you know so and i think for a lot of groups a majority of groups the fun comes from like keeping the game moving so you know and i certainly think other groups may get fun out of researching what the right rule is and and doing things you know exactly perfectly to the letter of the law but for a lot of us it's like let's keep moving let's have fun we want to cover a lot of story ground in this game and and have fun with the rules and 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 keep going uh which sort of brings me to your kickstarter uh, so you have a awesome Kickstarter for Dungeon Grappling, which is an RPG supplement. You say you can use it with RPGs from OSR all the way up through 5e, which I think is great. Uh, so, but m- my question is, is, since hearing your your sort of gaming philosophy, why grappling? Right? Why are we focusing on grappling, which I think is the thing that, and, and full disclosure, I've already backed this Kickstarter, uh, but I think our listeners are probably asking right now, like, grappling is is so complicated. Why do we do it? It just feels like, a, Absol- you know. You're, absolutely. You're right. Grappling is complicated. Grappling is hard. I went on TV tropes, and there's all these reasons why grappling has to be complicated. And I think that that's 
just wrong. <laughs> um, and, and so, and I've grappled, I'm not a great grappler, but I did 10 years of martial arts and it was, had a heavy grappling component and we'd done weapon fightings and you do unarmed. And I'll tell you what, if you can take all the complexity that is Italian rapier fencing or Japanese Kenjutsu or Western martial arts, and I'll come back to that again, because I think it's important. If you can take all of that stuff and say, roll one D20 plus your bonus versus armor class, grappling should be no harder. Full stop. If you can abstract all the different complexity, fighting is complicated, right? It, it, it's martial arts fighting is complicated. Uh, uh, sword fighting is complicated. If you've ever done sport fencing, you've got all these parries and defenses and rules and, and all that stuff. And if you've done fighting, if you've done SCA, which I have not, but if you've done kendo, which I have, if you've done relaxed rules kendo, where you can attack legs and stuff, if you've ever seen Naginata fighting, hmm. um, I spent some time in Japan and watched the women use the Naginatas and stuff, and you can attack the shins and, and whatnot. And so if you've seen all of that and you see how complex and detailed all of that can be, your attacks, your parries, your defenses, your footwork, if you are okay with roll 1d20 plus 4 versus armor class 16 for that, you should be okay and everyone should be okay with finding a way to roll 1d20 plus 4 against a target number to grapple. Huh. And that's what Dungeon Grappling does. It, 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 it takes the 5th edition aesthetic. And really, I mean, on my blog, I wrote these things called Rules for Grappling Rules. Because I did write a book on grappling before. GURPS Martial Arts, Technical Grappling, 35,000 words, 50 pages of rules for grappling based on the basically the same concept. Why invent new systems when you have such great systems there already? So... What do you do to make an attack? Actually, we'll do the Socratic method. When you're attacking me with a sword in D&D, how do you do it? So you roll a 20-sided die, right, and add your proficiency bonus and your strength modifier. Right, and you're rolling against a target number. and right. if you the armor class of whoever you're attacking. And if you meet or exceed that number, what do you do? Uh, you hit, and then you roll your damage dice. And you roll damage. Why shouldn't grappling be the same way? You roll to hit against a target number, and you roll damage when you're done. And, and that's really what dungeon grappling is, is using that common mechanic. The only difference is really that the damage is control. And you compare your control to a total that is informed by your stats and your skills. And if you exceed a certain threshold of accumulated damage, because you can get better and better grapples, uh, then your opponent suffers restrictions. Now, 5th edition already has that in a way, maybe not as explicitly, but if you attack someone to grapple, you grapple them and they have the grappled condition. If you do more, it's always seemed logical to me that if you did it again, you could get the restrained condition, which is already present. And then sure. if you do even more, there's no reason why you couldn't make someone incapacitated. Oh, Right. Yeah. And, and right. And so and that's exactly what dungeon grappling does, except in in OSR games, it uses penalties in Pathfinder. It uses both a combination of conditions and penalties because they're both heavily present. And in fifth edition, it makes use of the conditions. And so you ratchet up between a new condition called grabbed, which is like I have your sleeve. Right. 
and, and that's just I have contact because if you have contact, you can do stuff, right? If you right. have my sleeve, I can go in for a different grapple. It's like, and really what that means is if you have any control points on your foe, grappling no longer provokes attacks of opportunity because you've already made contact. Sure. Right. right. Yeah, that right. makes sense, right? Right. And so really is all you're doing is you're ratcheting up how restricted your opponent is. Um, but the other thing that I've done is I've sort of added what you might call techniques or maneuvers to it because, you know, what should you be able to do with a grapple? You, you want to be able to disarm. You want to be able to trip and throw. You want to be able to hurt somebody. You want to be able to cause pain, maybe force a morale check. Mm-hmm. Well, the mechanics are there, and what you rarely do is you say, okay, in order to trip somebody down, well, you could shove them, right? There's already a mechanic there, and frankly, I did not change it, right? Mm-hmm. It's got mm-hmm. a perfectly serviceable mechanic. You use what's there, boom, done. So, But if you want to like do a judo throw and slam somebody down on their face <laughs> so, so, so that they're stunned, right? Okay, well, you can't do that unless you have a certain level of – uh, condition on them or the other way you could do it. And honestly, I went back and forth. I'm not exactly sure which one I put in there, but this is the case where if the GM decides to, they can just say, well, I'm going to do it this way. But like, you know, let's say that if I'm going to throw you down and stun you for one D four turns that I'm going to do that at disadvantage because <laughs> it's a hard, it's a harder maneuver. Sure. But, but by restraining someone, you have advantage on your attacks. And so natively in fifth edition that cancels out. And so you're, making your skill roll against the grapple DC. You can play that advantage, disadvantage, cancel out game to have the things with the most reward be hard to pull off. Wow. You know, there's a, I'm already thinking of so many times this would come in handy. Obviously, in any normal combat situation, this comes in handy. But there's a lot of times when my players are maybe up against an unruly NPC who they don't want to attack, you know, in in the traditional sense of drawing their sword and, you know, dealing, you know, punching in the face (laughs) until they, they submit or whatever. And I think this is a great way to handle that both mechanically and narratively. They know that they have these options available to them. And as a, as a DM, I am not guessing, like, uh, how would this work? How does it? I'm not coming up with it on the fly. Uh, and yes. it's also great for like barroom brawls. I always yes. feel like we have this idea of how the barroom brawl is going to go in a role playing game, but then it's like, oh, I guess we're just we're using blunted swords. You know, like this is so much more fun. It gives you so many more options for that. That's right. Amazing. When I was young and unruly, I got into a fight and someone got hurt badly. Mm-hmm. Um, people are very fragile. And the concept of subdual damage, I'm going to hit you with a club in the face. (laughs) And don't worry, it's subdual hit points always bothered me Mm -hmm. because there's no such thing. There's just no such thing. People are fragile. They're very fragile. But the mechanics of the game Mm -hmm. have, have always rewarded as much damage as you can roll until you get to zero. You know, because in, in like, for example, in fifth edition, a punch is one point plus your strength bonus, right? Sure. So a sword is, is 1d8 or 1d10 or 1d12 or 2d6 plus your strength bonus. And your foe is unimpaired mm-hmm. until they hit zero hit points. 
Right, right. So you get this thing where you can sort of make sense of it, but ultimately the best way to do it is you're wailing on somebody with a sword until they get to like, you know, a couple of hit points and then you punch them or something and then they're unconscious. Right. So it, it, it creates a mechanical reinforcement to a situation that I think is frankly one of the root causes of murder hoboism in, right. in in gaming. You couldn't really tell actual injury from gee, I'm tired or boy, that was a close call. Like we used to say in business, you do what you're measured on. Right. If, if you're measured on how many cases of product you sell, you're going to try and have four cases of four rather than cases of 40. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you get the most bang for your buck out of beating somebody to death with a sword <laughs> and, and there are no in-game or out-of-game repercussions for that, right. then, then you will do that. Your game master will expect you to do that and all barroom brawls turn into sword fights or mm -hmm. knife fights or whatever fights. And, you know, it's why people are always tromping around in plate armor and this, that, the other thing, because you have to, for one thing, and, and then the, the social repercussions of that are not there. And also, if the first thing somebody's going to do is wander around and whip out a sword and try and kill you, well, yeah, you're going to be armored. Yeah. Of course, right? And, and so... Bringing grappling back to it does allow an entirely new, different axis of conflict resolution. And I don't know how familiar – you're probably pretty familiar with it, but I don't know how familiar people are with different kinds of myths and legends. But you know, I've been doing a lot with Norse mythology for the, for the Dragon Heresy game that I'm doing. There were monsters that were immune to weapons. Grendel was immune to weapons. <laughs> the, only, the only way that you could beat them was to wrestle them. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the white, W-I-G-H-T, the white from D&D &D is based on the Norse Vetter, V-A-E-T-T-R, huh. -E and you couldn't hurt them in, in some – or maybe, that's, maybe that was the Draugr. Sorry, my bad. The, uh, anyway, the white is, is Norse and so is the Draugr. But the Draugr you couldn't kill. You, you had to wrestle them in incapacitate them. You had to wrestle them into their tomb. Wow. You sort of bring this up in your video for the Kickstarter. It opens up with, uh, you know, a, a great piece of art where Beowulf is fighting Grendel. Uh, That's right. And is getting ready. Uh, looks like he's, he's, he's ready to tear off that arm. And um, that's exactly what happens in the story. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I think that that, again, it gives you these options. And it also, as a DM, I think, gives you some great options for, uh, for throwing something new at your players, right? Yes, uh, because grappling is for monsters. Mm -hmm. Think of every movie you've ever seen. What, <laughs> does, what does King Kong do? He grabs the damsel in distress. What's the scary part about the giant scorpion when he grabs you in its claw? What's the scary part about being attacked by an animal? He's going to grab you, he's going to strangle you, and he's going to freaking eat you. <laughs> he's not going to go claw, claw, bite, back off, and play boxing. Wow. He's going to grab you, and he's going to try and choke you to death. And, and I didn't know this until I did the research. That's what big cats do. They don't tear you up. Now, a hyena will tear you up. I actually saw a hyena rip a, you know, they were arguing over a, over, over a live kill and tore it limb from limb. You know what? That's still grappling. That's not a strike. 
Wow. It's still grappling. Man. Animals grapple to hunt. They're not interested in having a sword fight. Right. They're going to chase you down. They're going to knock you down. They're going to clamp their jaw around something that, that usually your windpipe, or they're going to clamp their jaw around the carotid and jugular, not to make you bleed to death because they like that blood. It's nutritious, <laughs> right? They're going to try and they're going to try and make you give up. And frankly, that, that jaw around the neck causes many prey animals to simply freeze. Wow. Right. And then, and, and then, and then they suffocate and die and then they get eaten. And, and so you see it over and over and over again. And what, what the nice thing about having a robust set of grappling rules that doesn't make you bring out a, a flow chart that covers a four foot by eight foot <laughs> section of table, the nice thing about having that where, yes, I want to grapple somebody. Great. Roll 1D, you know, roll 1D20 plus four uh, or 1D20 plus seven because you've got proficiency against a grapple DC that is easily calculated, pre-calculated before the game starts. And if you hit your roll control and if you score enough control, they go from grab to grapple to restrain to incapacitated. And it also allows things like, well, can you cast spells? Mm -hmm. Well, if I have your sleeve, maybe it's annoying. If I have you in a full Nelson or some kind of like, you know, triangle choke, oh, I cast fireball. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 you do not cast fireball. And think about it. The Dungeon Master's Guide, AD&D Dungeon Master's Guide, what's on the cover? A giant red demon grappling a lady. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? He's grappling. He's got her in his grasp. Yeah. No, it's totally, <laughs> totally, totally true. And I think, you know, like like when I think about even some of my favorite creatures, right? Like the a kraken. You know, krakens are, are grappling all the time. They're, they're grabbing onto stuff and, and throwing you around and bringing you towards their, their beaks so they can snap you in, in, in two and eat you up. And That's right. Love to see the Tarrasque go through and, and, like you said, King Kong style, start grabbing people and, right, and eating right. them and picking them up. And so I think this sort of idea is so genius in its simplicity. Uh, it never occurred to me, right, that we should be grappling the same way that, like you said, we we represent very complicated sword play and very right. complicated attack techniques and that sort of thing. And, and I think that like, if, if, I, if I could jump in, I think oh, yeah. that comes back to the false but prominent misconception that weapon fighting, especially with armor, was nothing but two people bludgeoning each other with unsophisticated strikes <laughs> uh, uh, until they died. And grappling, especially these days with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and you get it in mixed martial arts. And people understand how, to borrow a phrase, technical grappling can be. But I don't think that they've been exposed mostly to the, the real intricacies in weapon fighting. The weapon fighting that you see is very ritualized. Fencing is, is, you know, you have right of way and, and first touch and, oh, you have to do this, but you have to, you know, do that before this. And it's a very complicated interaction. You know, uh, kendo can be the same way uh, in that, you know, it doesn't matter if you get hit as long as you hit first. Now, take a step sideways and you look at some of the, the historical European martial arts community, HEMA, and like, you know, I think his name is Michael Forrest, but he wrote, I think he wrote Riddle of Steel. And he's oh, a big wow. he's a big HEMA guy. And if you look at the fighting manuals, it's grappling, man. I mean, you hold you don't hold the sword 
by the hilt with two hands. You hold it by the hilt and then you hold it by the blade in a gauntleted fist. And you use it as a lever and you use it to stab and you use the quills to sweep out a leg so that you can drive the point either through a gap in the armor. Because these guys were doing this stuff in plate, man, right? So you do all that stuff to get somebody down so you can slip that knife, the misericord, uh, <laughs> or you can slip the, 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 the dagger or the, or the tip of your sword through an exposed point so that you can make them surrender because if they had that much armor on, they were worth more to you alive than dead. But, you know, the only way you could do this was with these, you know, these, you know, the great way to crack plate was these Polax, P-O-L-L-A-X-E. And that's for the purists out there. But, you know, <laughs> you had you had an axe, you had a hammer, you had a spike. But if you look at the fight manuals, and I, I obviously I included that in my video, but if you look at the fight manuals, they're using this to flip each other around and do throws. And so grappling is fighting. Mm -hmm. And fighting is grappling. And it yes, you are absolutely hitting people with weapons and cutting off legs and all the stuff that we've come to expect. But it's more intricate than that. And if you can exchange – if you can get an advantage by grabbing somebody or putting them into an armbar or you use your weapon to grapple and then you throw them down and, you know, and – and you've, you've, you've grappled them with your weapon and so they have disadvantage while they're standing and then you trip them down and so now they're prone, which is even worse. And then you attack them with the weapon. Now things are interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now things are really complicated. And, and the other thing that it allows you to really do is now you can get dogpiled by cobalt <laughs> because the, gra because the grapples combine. Oh, Right. That's awesome. Right. You get 12 guys attacking you for a couple points each. All of a sudden they're dangerous and that can stack up really fast. Yeah. Yeah. And the totally. fact and the fact that you have plate armor doesn't matter because plate does not affect your ability to be grappled. In fact, it hurts it because you don't get your dex bonus. Wow. Wow. This is really, really cool. I love this. I, and I honestly cannot wait to get my hands on my copy, which is already going to happen because congratulations are in order. Your Kickstarter has at this point funded, um, but there's still stretch goals to go and uh, there's still a lot of days for people to get in on this. So if people yep. want to follow along with us as we talk about this, I recommend they head on over to the show notes at thetomeshow.com and click on the link for the Kickstarter or they just head to Kickstarter and type in Dungeon Grappling and uh, this will be what comes up because it's a really, really cool supplement and you've got a really a uh, great deal, honestly, on on the PDF and, and everything else. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what people get for their money here? A absolutely. So the basic buy-in is $5, and that gets you a uh, full-color um, PDF that is – it's already been laid out. Um, actually, I will send you a, a layout copy um, after the show. So that you can review it and 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 comment on it if you like or or whatever, I you know you don't have to say anything nice. You just have to be honest. Um, <laughs> but um, but I'll send you a copy. Um, yeah, but it's laid no, out. Thank you. It, thank it you. Was, I love yeah, that. Sure. It was laid out by Nathan Paletta, uh, who did the worldwide wrestling role playing game. That's um, awesome. He, he's done a great job. It, so it's 44 pages right now. It'll probably grow a little bit because it needs a table of contents. Um, it's full color. It's layered. So if you want to, you can turn off the art. You can turn off the background and just print text. I have done this. I've tested it. It prints out well on a black and white printer. The five dollars, the full, you know, is the PDF. I was hesitant to do this, but honestly, Drive Through RPG has their act so well together 
that it became straightforward to do it. There's now a print option, uh, which is $18 plus shipping. Every print copy comes with a copy of the PDF. Um, it's soft color, premium color. So it's, it's, the, it's the best quality book. Um, and so for $18 plus shipping, you get that. If you're only ordering one book, the countries that are listed so far, all of them are $5 shipping. Um, and I think what that is is drive through has negotiated local printing in a lot of these areas. Because if I were to send a hardback or a soft copy from here to Australia from my house, it's like 20 or 30 bucks. And so I think what they're doing is they're printing it locally and and they're not physically shipping it there. They're printing it in Australia and shipping. I could be wrong about that, but the, the prices were so attractive and so well-regulated. I can just go look it up. Uh, and that's what I did. I took a 52-page a premium softback that was on drive-thru, and I went through every country from one to five copies and got the shipping prices, rounded it up to the nearest dollar, and used those. So it's, 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 it's a good system. Kickstarter supports it well. If you're going to back from a country that's not listed, email me, and I will add it. That's, that's awesome. That's, Right. So it, it's, I, I've tried to, you know, I've got, you know, America, Canada, Australia, England, France, Germany. Yeah, I'd say United Kingdom, France, Germany. Greece is on there. But I use the, the standard stuff for which drive through provides pricing. Anyway, so you can buy between one and five copies of the, the I guess it's one copy or five copies for the PDF at the five and twenty dollar level. But it's one, two, three, four and five copies, uh, print copies. So if you and your friends all want the rules, basically you get a deal in shipping because bundling them together. At the UK, it's $5 whether you ship one book or five. And so you get to amortize the shipping through the number of books. Uh, and then there's what I call the art sponsor levels. There's a $50 level. Actually, I had to add a $45 plus $5 level because I couldn't change. I, you can't add to the uh, rewards. So once someone backed it, so someone went in at $50, and so I couldn't uh, oh, go gotcha. back and – yeah, you can't change the rewards once someone's even back. to add something. <laughs> yeah, once someone's back. Cause so it, it, I know it's there, so you can't yoink a carpet out from someone. But it would be nice if you could add. <laughs> yeah. If you could yeah. add something. You know, now you get more. <laughs> uh, but, but in any case, I went back and created a $45 level that includes the print copy. And there's $5 in shipping, so it works out to be anyone who actually wants a physical copy, who wants to be an art sponsor – can do the $45 level, it's going to cost you 50 bucks, and you get one copy of the book, um, plus the PDF, of course. And, but there's 50, 100, and either 200 or $250 sponsorship levels. And we are thousands of dollars away from the point where I get paid. All the money goes towards the artists at this point. You know, more art, full color art. Uh, actually, in my announcement today, I said, you know, I don't care that we're not there yet. We're on a trajectory where I feel pretty comfortable. So I'm just going to – I'm procuring all 22 pieces of art in full color. So regardless of what the funding level is, everyone's going to get a full color PDF and a full, who orders it in print is going to get full color print. Um, so there's not going to be black and white art in a, in a full color layout. It's going to be all color. And then those, those art sponsorship levels are really great because it's really the most money – after the Kickstarter fees, and it goes right to the artists. And if I overachieve, then they get a bonus, right? It's the first, you know, we'll, you know, I'll get paid a little bit, you know, a couple cents a word or whatever. To, but also, the artists themselves will benefit from overachieving the stretch goals because that's, awesome. that's what I, that's what I, that's kind of what I want to do. All their contracts have, 
I'm not required to, but you know, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm a good businessman and I treat my artists well, people are going to want to come work with me. So it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's win-win. I've got a great art team. I'm so excited about Very the art true. team. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely um, want to talk about them too. Yeah. They're awesome. But yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of it. It's fairly straightforward. It's, it's, you know, most people are in either the, the one book uh, or just the PDF level. Um, mm-hmm. I do have some sponsors. A lot of them are family. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> You know, but there were some things that I was going to try and do to help support the big project, the one that I really wanted to do, but is too much of an ask right off. Mm-hmm. I have 400,000 words of a role playing game already written. Yes. It's, it's SRD 5.1 based. It has a fantastic setting. And I have a great editor that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that everyone will know. <laughs> and he has forgotten more about Norse mythology than I will ever learn. And <laughs> when he reads this, he will add value besides correcting grammar because he can't help it. Yes. He yes. wrote a book that maybe you've heard of called Knights Black Agents. I uh, I think I've heard of this guy. Um, yeah, I uh, his name is Ken Hite. Ken Hite, that, yeah, yeah, Hite. yeah, yeah. Ken Hite. He's he's one of the lost Hittite tribes. Anyway, I, I I asked Ken if he would consider. He agreed, and so really excited about that. But it's a big ask. It's a big project, and just to get to PDF, even without a print run, is like fifty grand. Wow. Because it's going to be like, you know, the block and tackling, the, the basic layout, the editing, indexing, right? It's $10 per thousand words for, for indexing uh, is a standard rate. So all of that stuff is costs, right? Cost money. And then it's 400,000 words. It, it's going to wind up being like a two, 370 page volume. <laughs> and unless you want that to be gigantic walls of text, right? right. You're, going to need, you're going to need art. And I'm going to need $25,000 worth of art. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and then I'm going to get it offset print. I want offset print because I want sewn bindings so it can lay flat without the pages falling out. Um, You know, matte cover, matte print, good quality paper. That's another 25 grand. And so you really need, you really need um, quite a lot of money to launch a product like this. And, Make it so that the people are getting the value they expect. Now, should that be my first Kickstarter? Well, I contacted <laughs> a very well, right? I, I I contacted a very well known, very successful. I'm not going to say who it is because he gave me some very, very good, very blunt, very cold water on the enthusiasm advice. Mm-hmm. He basically said you're doomed, and almost certainly he was correct. What right do I have to ask a thousand to two thousand people for a hundred bucks or eighty bucks or whatever it is or forty bucks, you know, anywhere between forty and a hundred dollars when I have no evidence that this won't be one of these bottomless pit kickstarters that never delivers? Wow. Right? Well, what right do I have to do that? Yeah. You know? Um yeah. and, and so so this one, so he says, do something small. And Part of the Dragon Heresy role-playing game is domain building because the whole premise started with Jason Packer online, had a great little like three-line premise for a game, and I got so excited about it. I'm like, I want to turn this into a dungeon fantasy campaign, and that never really went anywhere. But when I started writing the rules for Dragon Heresy, because it was going to be like a 40-page or 20-page rules supplement mm-hmm. – Mm-hmm. And that was when the DM guide came out. The DM, not the DM guide, the DM guild, 
Oh, uh, gotcha. announced. So I'm sure. like, oh, I, 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 oh, yeah, this would be a great way of expanding my reach into D&D. And then like a week or two later, as I'm writing these rules, and I'm like, okay, tweak, tweak, this will be fun, fine, whatever. All of a sudden, they come out with the SRD. Right. And the OGL, a toucher, I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious. This is, this is, this is 500 pages of godforsaken, unformatted, and the rules are great. They make you work to put them in the book, <laughs> uh, which is fine. That's fine. But then the SRD came out, and I'm like, you know, I could turn this into a game. And then I'm like, well, if I have a game, it's going to need a setting. I can't just, I can't just appropriate one of the existing settings because the OGL mostly doesn't let you do that. And I wanted to own it. I wanted to be able to create it and steer it and all the reasons why you do OGL and not DM Guild. And so we, I was like, you know, I started to do playtesting campaigns and one shots and stuff like that. And someone's like, oh, I'm going to be a cleric. What gods am I? What gods can I worship? And I'm like, I have no idea. And I had just watched Thor, mm, the, nice. the Marvel, you know, Marvel Thor. And I'm like, you know, let's just do the Norse. They're, they're nice. They're easy, whatever. And one thing led to another, and it was so compelling. And then I started doing more research into real honest-to-God North mythology. I read some of the sagas and whatever. It's deep, and it's <laughs> cool. And the setting and the mythology and the cosmology started to take life. And we could – we as I have like about 36 playtesters and stuff. And I know you were busy, but you know we had invited you on there because you know so much about D&D. And, and anyway – it started to really take life. And as we were writing thousands of words of flavor text for the monsters, which in the SRD only have stat blocks, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're writing this stuff and it just starts to breathe. And the rules work and I was able to play several campaigns um, and, and the rules were pretty cool. And yeah, well, there's some tweaks, right? It's not straight fifth edition. It separates narratively and mechanically wounds from exhaustion using you know the vigor and, and wounds um, separation and shields are now not they're more than just a plus two armor class if someone shoots an arrow at you and you don't have a shield there's only a limited amount you can do with it but if someone shoots an arrow at you you can hide behind the shield if you have one um, if someone swings a blow at you you can take the blow on your shield wow. and it doesn't get your armor I, i'm using damage resistance mm -hmm. as points like kind of like gerps does uh, so that armor like so if you have plate armor it's dr8 <laughs> so damage reduction eight, right? It's, instead of armor class of 18, it's damage reduction eight. And I have to do more than eight points of damage to punch through that. Um, unless I take an action to aim or evaluate, which gives you advantage or whatever. Or mm -hmm. it gives you advantage or cuts the damage in half. I'm sorry, did the armor in half. So you can sort of target chinks in armor. So that's the thing about 5th edition that is, is buried in there is there are so many hooks mm. that, that allow you to do this. And I, and I won't lie, the reason that I did it was not for swords and sorcery. I did a swords and sorcery game because it's the biggest market right. and everyone plays it and it's the best way to get the rules. But the fact of the matter is once you have wounds and vigor and Damage reduction rather than armor class, guns make <laughs> rather a lot more sense. Yes, yeah, I because totally you can agree. get you can get one shotted by a sniper because I don't care if you're a strength twenty 
uh, let's see, it goes into wounds. A con 24, strength 24. There's only so many wounds you can take. Right. And you may have 300 hit points, but if you don't see the attack coming, it might go straight to wounds, although there's, there's agency for the player. There's plot protection that the game master can flip on. And, and, and really, the game comes with that enabled. Right. It, it's like if the game master wants a more gritty, more deadly game, he can say, OK, no, you don't get to employ what's called a frantic defense where you say, oh, you were going to get wounds. But if you absorb twice the number of wounds as vigor, you can throw yourself out of the way at the last minute. Right. Right. right that kind of stuff. Right. That's the, the sort of the backstory there is that this this famous successful Kickstarter guy says, don't do that. Do something else. And the domain building part of that get game doesn't belong to me. I, I, I borrowed it with permission from Alexander Macris, who wrote Adventure Conqueror King. Mm. And, and there's a funny story there that, that is sort of a private story between the two of us, but it's like, you know, he's like, yeah, sure, fine, whatever, use it. And then later on, he comes back and goes, oh, wait a minute, you're the, you're the gun guy. I know you. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, he had a really nice thing to say, which is that because I sent him a copy of the manuscript because I was like, hey, I love Adventure Conquer King and I really love his domain rules. Let me send you a copy of the manuscript. And he's like, you know, I may use this for the next the, my fifth edition version of Axe because it solves the gun problem. Right. And right. if you're gonna, if you're going to do cyberpunk, <laughs> then you have to solve the gun problem. And, and so he, he was very generous with his praise there. So I know that I've got something good, but I also know that asking for that much money or off the bat is, is, is just a non-starter. So, you know, I've done a few things with grappling rules before, and I had baked my technical grappling system into Dragon Heresy. And I'm like, you know, I had written an article with Peter Del Orto, who is a you know prolific GURPS writer. He wrote GURPS Martial Arts along with Sean Punch. Um, and he's written all kinds of stuff for Dungeon Fantasy. He's got his own blog, Dungeon Fantastic, which if you don't read it, you're missing out because <laughs> he's got a great old school sensibility. Really and he really does. Yeah. He's really, you know, he's been doing, you know, kill the monsters and take their stuff for years worth of beer and pretzels play with GURPS. So if you think you can't do beer and pretzels with GURPS, you're wrong. Uh, and Peter will show you how to do it. And it's a great blog. And he actually got me my start in blogging because I'm reading his stuff. I'm like, you know, I think there's this stuff I could say here. And he encouraged me and, and we're friends and we've gamed together. But he and I wrote uh, an article, it was like 2,500 words long, taking technical grappling concepts and applying them to swords and wizardry. Because he and I were in a Eric Tenkar's um, swords and wizardry game. And we said, you know, I bet this can be brought to D&D. And we did it, and it was short. And we published it in Tim Shorts's Manor Number no. 8, which, by the way, is an add-on. Uh, I don't think people are scrolling down to the add-ons, but if you saw it, uh, he's offering all eight issues of Manor of the Manor Ezine for twelve dollars instead of twenty. Um, so you can get that as an add-on um, by increasing your pledge. Um, you'll see that again in the backer kit survey that comes out, um, and also over the next two and a half weeks, I'm going to do a bit of a special update where I go through what you actually see in that. But if you're an old school gamer, there's a ton of fodder. He's got little mini adventures. He's got little classes, you know, and because OSR and fifth edition really spring from the same wellspring of, of concept, you can just pop in your fifth edition monsters in place of the OSR stuff and, and just play. So after Peter and I wrote the manor article, Thomas Denmark from Night Owl saw it is like, oh, these are great grappling rules. He's doing an OSR based superhero game what if the first 
D&D version wasn't fantasy? What if it were superheroes, comic books? So he adapted the old basic rules, probably white box or brown books or whatever. He adapted those to superheroes, and he's like, hey, this is a great grappling system. And David Pulver, who has been a collaborator with me, and I've worked his stuff, and he's worked mine for years, um, says, oh, I know that guy. And so Peter and I were like, yeah, sure, incorporate him into your game. And so Guardians is mm -hmm. also an add-on. So if you want to do old school D&D but with superheroes, you can buy Guardians at uh, $7. I think it's normally $10, so it's $7. So it's like 30% off. Um, but that has the grappling system in the back. And then this one, the dungeon grappling, takes those basic foundations and turns it up to 11 um, wow. But because I've had so much experience writing grappling rules with the GURPS and I know what I did wrong because there were things that could have been simplified. Uh, and so I was able to take that that sensibility and come out with in – so it is November. I think I got cold water poured on me right about my birthday, so October. Uh, so I, I went from I should do this to I'm going to do this for real in <laughs> about – four to five weeks. I went from, let me get everything I've ever written on my blog and in print on D&D grappling, edit the hell out of it, and turn it into a finished manuscript. And wow. I did that in about a month. That's awesome. Uh, and it required a lot of editing. And then we play tested it, and that was pretty cool. And then we play tested it with Pathfinder, and that was not cool. Um, <laughs> Because and, and so that's not a knock on Pathfinder. It, this, the same thing would have happened had we played tests with Fifth Edition. Uh, you run into the hit point, what I call the hit point problem. Off the top of your head, do you know how many hit points a Balrog or a or, or a Balrog, uh, has in original basic D and D? I do not. There's no reason why you should. It's ten hit dice, so on the average, it's going to be forty five hit points. Oh. <laughs> right. Exactly. 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 So. When I when we wrote these rules, it is reasonable to grapple a creature that and to get enough that you could perhaps mm -hmm. interfere with that creature with forty five hit points. I think a Balrog in, in Pathfinder and Fifth Edition are two hundred, three hundred, yeah, four hundred type definitely. of hit points. And if you're doing one D eight plus four that is that is not a game. That is table flipping rage, mm -hmm. because yeah. you once again created a grappling system that sucks. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> right. And so, so my I, I basically did what everyone who ever play, writes a game should do. I handed the rules to one of the playtesters. I said, "Go run this." He volunteered, but I said, "Go run this." And I was not. I was sort of there because I was on the computer in the background doing more writing but he comes back to me within like five minutes of play he's like this this is awful and i'm like it's the hit point problem isn't it he's like yes nobody can do anything even the bad monsters can't get enough control points on a 10th level character to restrict their movement in any way mm -hmm. so i really quickly realized that the because of the wound the wound versus vigor switch in dragon heresy and the low number of hit points in the OSR games that that was the problem is that when you're grappling in Dragon Heresy, you're going against your stats, really. So mostly you're looking at – like a Joe Average has 10 control maximum. A Barbarian can have up to like 30. But that's it. 
<laughs> and, and so it doesn't matter how many hit points he has. You're going again. Now your hit points, your your vigor represent your defenses and your dodging and your motion. And so you still have to wear those down unless you get lucky. So the fights can get long still, but the same way that they're long with weapons because their damage amounts are roughly equivalent. Anyway, it, it wasn't going to work. And so what we wound up doing very quickly was recalibrating what the maximum were in order to maxima were in order to bring the monsters not into crazy town. And, and so, so we did that and I basically defaulted it back to the same scale as dragon heresy. I made a couple of adjustments for basic and it works and, and the numbers make sense. And, and, you know, a huge or gargantuan creature gets a multiplier to their basic stats because they're just big. <laughs> and, and would you say that it's fair then just to say that dungeon grappling is a little bit of a, a look then into some of the mechanics of Dragon Heresy? And just also let me say on the side that because you involved me in a lot of those Dragon Heresy conversations, I didn't really participate because like you said, I was super duper busy. Uh, but it was great to see the level of detail, the level of care that was going into this, the conversations that were being had, I thought were incredible. The product to start with was something better than I ever could have dreamed up. And then the collaboration effort on top of that has really led to something great that I am excited to talk about once that once that uh, comes out exactly as well. But yeah. would you say that uh, Dungeon Grappling Absolutely. is a good look into maybe a small, small piece of the mechanics of Dragon Heresy. Yeah, yes, absolutely, because Dungeon Grappling and Dragon Heresy are both animated by a three-word principle, use what's there. And if you're not using what's there, you're going to have system shock. Right? People, The game is going to stop while you try and figure out what's going on. But if the game master can say, oh, you're attacking, so you must be rolling 1d20 plus something against either an armor class or some kind of DC, you can fake it. Nice. And, and you won't be wrong more times than not. And you can always whip out and say, well, I don't know what to roll against, so we'll turn it into a contest for now. And again, that's using what's there. And, and so why re litigate so to speak <laughs> uh, uh, a game that was play tested by a couple hundred thousand people right sure. that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that there's no room for improvement right the design aesthetic of D&D went one direction and and I made a couple things change largely because some of my you know it's actually a whole bunch of different stuff but you know what it doesn't matter we can talk about that at, at some other time the the, the the basic aesthetic of of, of the grappling rules came right out of Dragon Heresy, and frankly, now that it's better, we'll probably go right back in. Wow. Right? I, 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 there's no reason why I wouldn't take these 17,500 words of grappling and put them right into that text in its refined format. I don't know why I wouldn't do that, and and it, it seems logical to, to, to do that. So yes, absolutely, you're going to see these again. That's awesome. That's really, really great. And, uh, you know, I think you've you've shouted out the the great artists who are involved here. But uh, should we uh, should we just uh, go very quickly down the line and say who is on the team for Dungeon Grappling? I would love to. I would love to. So we already talked about Nathan in alphabetical order. Jennifer Bone, she yes. is an artist that was featured, uh, I think, fairly prominently in the most recent update of the Swords and Wizardry uh, core rulebook. 
She brings a great sensibility to the artwork. Um, we have done some collaboration together on Dragon Heresy because I wanted some images to market the game before I sort of took a step sideways. And so I immediately brought her back on the team for Dungeon Grappling. Nice. Um, she does spooky monsters better than almost anybody. Um, and she does, she, and she does other things uh, um, well too. Uh, and I've already previewed some of the images that she had done for Dragon Heresy on my blog, and so you can go find them there. Number two artist is uh, Juan Ochoa um, from he's from Colombia. Maybe the fastest artist I've ever seen. It's like you know you you get onto a hangout with him, and he's like, oh, well, let me just do this, and whoo, you know it's like you know ten minutes later he's got this amazing <laughs> rough out, and then he spends time refining it, and it just gets better. So Juan is is been really fun to work with, and uh, he's you know he's got some pieces here. You know, an unsung hero in this is Emily Smurl, who is my 3D rendering uh, girl. Um, she uh, she's in she's up in Canada, and we've gamed together, and we've involved in GURPS together, and and she used to like you know we'd be playing GURPS, and she's like, oh, here's a quick 3D render of one of the characters who happened to be like a a pixie ninja girl riding a Tyrannosaurus Rex, because why not? Because uh, she had the models, and so I was like, you know. I need an image to sell this. And I told her what I was looking for. And she's like, yes, I can do that. And that's where that 3D image of the grappling in the dungeon, oddly enough, uh, came from. You know, I actually stood on a chair and had my wife, who's a, a martial arts instructor, put me in an arm lock. So you had a five, six woman putting a seven foot tall humanoid into an arm lock. And so the posture was right. And she took that and made it a lady in full armor, putting an arm lock on a minotaur and going to at right who's seven feet tall and is going to bash him in the face with uh with a, the hilt of a sword and then in the background there's a snake grappling a barbarian who's struggling with him uh and then there's a dragonborn sorceress casting uh you, you know nasty tentacle spell to grapple and pull an orc down the stairs um so that was a good setup and then she cleared all the cleared the board for me and i got to play with the green screen for the first time to make my video which was ridiculous fun um uh, Power Director 15, I bought it on Friday and had a complete video by Sunday. It is so intuitive. Um, I'm, sure that there are, I'm sure that there are other programs that would let you do that, um, but that one was amazing. I had had some experience, some frustrating experience with Muvavi. Um, I found mm -hmm. Power Director better. Other people may differ. I've heard good things about the Sony product. I, I went from zero to the video that I was able to do in like two and a half days. Um, oh, wow. And that video is great. I like thanks. that video. It's so much fun and it's really, really good. And I think, uh, got me, got me juiced up about grappling was like, Oh yeah. Grappling doesn't have to be really crappy. Uh, right. grappling can be a lot of fun. Uh, right. so I'm, I'm really, really excited. And I'm also super glad you let me know about the print on demand. Cause I, I was actually day one backer and I didn't realize that that had been an option that was added. So while we were talking, I changed my pledge level. Uh, so, uh, cause I, cause I would like a print copy of this. So yes, no. And I can't, I mean, I, I want to do not only what I love to do print, but in my dreams, this gets wide enough that I get like 10,000 or $12,000 and I can just go pay Nathan to lay it out in a five <laughs> and get it and get it offset print because in a five format, it would be about a hundred pages long, which is a legitimate thing that you're going to want to print with a good binding. Um, and, and there are options when you do that. And I'm not ready to do that because shipping is such a nightmare. 
mm-hmm. and, and when it would have to come back to me and fulfillment is crazy and whatever. But, you know, if I were to get 500, 750, 1,000 backers, all of a sudden you're talking a very low cost to print. There's a, there's a shop that I really like called Thompson Shore, which I, I think, I think, what was it? Uh, one of Zach Smith's books. I mean, I think might have, I, I, I don't, I don't remember, but there's, there's a, a printer that has a really good rep in the role playing indie role playing community. They actually have partner services in the European union where they're on the same price curve. So you can have them printed part of them in the U in, for the European orders. You can print them in Europe and for the U S orders, you can print them here and split the order that way. And it winds up being a better deal. Because you you spend more because it's like a 300 or a 400 unit thing overseas, but you save so much money in overseas shipping that it works out to be total cost of ownership to the customers lower. And I've tried to get quotes for Dragon Heresy in Australia to do the same thing, where I'd print out two or 300 over down there and, and then ship locally within uh, the continent. Because again, cheaper. Anyway, long story less long is 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 I, I I really like being able to give people print copies, but the thing I want to do most mm-hmm. is deliver a product that's awesome, and I want it to be on time. <laughs> and right, I want it to be on time. I, I don't want to say it's on time, on budget, over deliver in quality for for what you pledged for, and I am on track to do that. My artists are signing contracts. Uh, I had one guy – actually, let's keep going. Rick Trula, uh, he contacted me about Dra- Dragon Heresy. I said, hey, I've got something else to do first. Would you in- be interested? Yes. You know, We signed the contract today. He's already got me the sketches. They're amazing. Uh, you know, he just, you know, just, you know, they're, 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 but they're, they're going to be so cool. We're paying homage to at least two or three different important grappling scenes, including the one on the dungeon master's guide and you know, a couple more. And, and so that's really exciting, uh, to see. And then, uh, Christian Villasies, also known as Chris evil has done some amazing work. And I saw some of his pieces, um, I think it might've been in one of the Google plus forums and I contacted him. I said, Hey, do you have a rate sheet? And he's like, yeah, here it is. I'm like, boom, let's do this. Um, and so, you know, it was great. I mean, he's, you know, I've, I am not, I, I, I reached out to, I think someone who had, um, done some amazing illustration for some of the fifth edition or Pathfinder work. And, you know, his rates are $1,500 per full page or something like that, you know, and even more for a cover. And you look at his work and you're like, yes, I can see how you charge that, but I can't pay it. Um, and the amazing thing about the world of artists right now is, is there are so many artists out there. Um, and the only thing that I would make sure to, to tell these guys, uh, and, and women is you can't eat exposure, but you can die from it. So get paid, <laughs> get paid. Um, and, and, you know, that doesn't mean that everyone needs to raise the rate sky high. You need to set them for, at the, you know, where you are, but you know get paid. I, I, I like to, you know, my, my structure is, I think a little different. A lot of people are like, you know, 50% upfront, 50% on delivery. I have more cash flow points. Right, you get an, right. you get an advance when I see the sketch and I'm like, yes, that's, that's, that's the composition that I want. That's the, the feel of the image. I pay a little bit more and then you work until the end. 
Um, and so there's like three points. I, I, I've done different things for that. If it's a $20 image, it's 50% upfront, 50% when you're done. Cause I'm, I'm not going to do three payments of like $3 each or whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's stupid. But, but anyway, I'm trying to, to build a business model here that is, is very collaborative, intensive. It, it recognizes that I need to have a stable, predictable delivery for my product, but it also recognizes that these guys you know, frequently are, are, are not Bill Gates, right? They're not sitting there, oh, I'm doing art because I've already made a billion dollars in my, my software IPO. They're, they're <laughs> you know, they, they need cash flow. Absolutely. And, and so I like to give that, but it needs to be something concrete. Anyway, so that's a little bit more, uh, um, but, you know, the, the cool thing is, is, you know, I've spreadsheeted this to death. I don't know, you know, if you know me, you know that you're like, yeah, why am I not surprised? But <laughs> I, I, I'm, I was conservative in my budgeting. And so that's why I feel like I'm going to be able to offer full color for even though we're not at that stretch goal yet, which was 4,000 uh, pledges, uh, $4,000 worth of pledges. You know, I mean, it depends. And the, 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 the flipping over to print is interesting because a lot of the money that's raised in both shipping and printing goes right to shipping and printing. And so I don't get it. Um, and so that pushes up the amount of money that I need to get everything done. But because I was conservative in my budget, as it turns out, my stretch goals are probably about accurate. So mm. if I hit, even with the print copy, if I hit $4,000, I've covered what I need to. If we hit $5,000, we are going to get that awesome cover. Uh, I mean, we're going to doing that anyway because I want the awesome cover. We'll see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. This is, but, uh, you know, it, it's one of these things where, uh, you know, I really want to see it do well um, and then deliver on time to people a great product that they will use in any version of this game that they can play and probably some that I haven't thought of. And, and that's the thing. I have some block and tackling left to do. I, I have to get my ISBN data into the computer. Uh, I have, you know, uh, Nathan has to create a table of contents. Other than put the art in the art holes, the book is done. The indexing is done. The table of contents is, is, is pushed to complete. The layout is done. We know that the layers work. Uh, ISBN is in place. You know, I have a cover mocked up that I'll have to um, tweak because it's pretty I, – I, the cover is – it's on the site. The, 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 the mock cover is on the site. It's, it's serviceable. I want, a, I want a better one. <laughs> uh, you know, it's I think a it's service. Great. I think it's great. It looks so good already. Uh, you know, I mean, not not that I'm never going to say no to a better cover. You know what right. I mean? But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it. I think it already looks so good. So it's clear, though, and and this is a really good thing. Uh, and another reason why people should check out this Kickstarter. I think that you are uh, somebody who likes to get it right. You know, you're, you're not going to rush it out of the door for the sake of delivering. But it's clear based on the way you talk about the way you pay your people, the way that you look over your own products, uh, talking about how you're a spreadsheet uh, guru. You know, I think, uh, I think it, a lot of care goes into these things. And these are passion projects. And I think that that is incredible and amazing. And those are the kinds of things people want to back. And it's also my day job, right? I, 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 am, I was a manager of people and a manager of technology for years and years at, at, at the disk drive company that I worked at, overseeing the creation of one to seven million dollar capital equipment projects. 
So I'm no stranger to budgeting. I'm no stranger to where things go wrong. I'm no stranger to critical path. I'm no stranger to parallel processing. And I'm definitely no stranger to the concept of, of under-promise and over-deliver. And, and so project management is, is a thing. And, and it's actually, I suspect that Gaming Ballistic, so Gaming Ballistic is no longer just a blog. It's a company now, Gaming Ballistic LLC. I incorporated it. Um, right, my website right, got a yeah. revamp, right? So it's a company. It's a publishing company. And project management of role-playing games and doing this kind of management. If, you ha- if someone has a project that they're like, I have a great idea, I'm a good writer, but dear God, I'm afraid of the Kickstarter, or I'm, I have no idea how to reach out to artists, or I don't, you know, I've procured now two and there will be a third contract, a, a template, contract template for professional services, for um, licensing existing images. There will be one that's for a retail contract so that I can sell people stuff on my site. But all of those things cost money. And it's a service that I can provide as a project manager and, and gamer, much simpler to, you know, similar to I wrote GURPS Technical Grappling and get like, you know, a 20% or whatever, you know, two bucks a copy because Steve Jackson Games did all the heavy lifting other than the writing. Wow. Right? Because they, they did the art, they did the layout, they did the project management, they had editing staff, they had all that stuff. So they did, they did that. Um, and, and that's why you, and they, they sell it and they manage it and they pay the taxes on it or whatever on their side. And then at the end of that, after I've done all the work to write the book and respond to changes, I get a small royalty check. And, and, and that's not a slam on them. They're, they are they are the mo- let me say this. They were the model for my Kickstarter because they did so well with the Dungeon Fantasy Kickstarter. They are my model for how you pay your staff, which is promptly and in full. And the method of interaction that I at least have had with Sean and Steven and Jason Levine, you know, PK Levine, um, and even Phil Reed, who is very approachable. And he's always on his boards talking about his company in a way that is crazy town for most people who are running companies. He's in there, he's in the boards, he's responding to questions. Sometimes he's very blunt. No, we're not going to do that. No, we can't do that at this time. Yes, we'd love to, but you have your facts wrong about how this works. The biggest place is and this is where I come back around to shipping. The worst thing about having something print yourself, oh, because look, you know, you can get it for $3 a copy instead of $8 a copy or $50 a copy if you go through Lulu, which I don't know why anybody would ever do. For role-playing games, my goodness gracious, unless you've got something that's huge and whatever, I, I just – maybe the Lulu quality is so good relative to what you'd get through drive through or something else. But boy, are they expensive. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, okay, so not just me. Um, but anyway – Steve Jackson games were, were kind of the model of, of, of um, they're not a model risk taker. They're, they're not great. They're not wonderful about open license. They're not going to bring out their system. They're very cautious because they've been burned before with attempts to collaborate and share their system. Won't go into that because it's not that relevant. But basically, they're a pretty upstanding citizen in the gaming community. They're not going to screw you over. Um, they're going to be straight with you. If something's bad, they're going to tell you. But also, if you communicate with them and you're like, yeah, you know, my, my pet bunny died and, and we're in mourning for a week. Well, Stephen has rabbits and he understands. And, and so there's a lot of, of give and take there that as long as you are not putting them over a barrel, we said we were going to deliver next week and you tell us today 
<laughs> that you've written nothing, as, as long as you're playing straight with them, oh, I'm making progress, oh, I'm not, they're cool. And, and I'm trying to model myself out of that corporate citizen um, with because it's an OGL product, I, ha- I have to be, and I want to be as well, more open with where these rules can go. Absolutely. Uh, Doug, I mean, your knowledge of game design, I think, is incredible. The products you make are amazing. Uh, and I'm super, super excited for Dungeon Grappling. And I'm also excited for Dragon Heresy when uh, when that goes to Kickstarter. So please come back, talk to us more about Dragon Heresy when that comes out. Uh, in the meantime, uh, where can people find you? Obviously, they can, uh, I'll say it one more time, go to Kickstarter and search for Dungeon Grappling, or they can head on over to the show notes at thetomeshow.com and click on the link for the Kickstarter there as well. But if they want to find out more about you, if they want to follow what Gaming Ballistic is up to, where should they go and what should they do? There are two things. Uh, there is a Gaming Ballistic Google group uh, with all of like 55 people in it right now. So you could be the 56th and I'll be very happy. Uh, so there's a Gaming Ballistic Google group. Um, but also you can just uh, go over to uh, uh, GamingBallistic.com. Uh, if you do you know, HTTP slash slash whatever, GamingBallistic.com. Um, HTTPS or HTTP will get you there, uh, and that's my 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 company. It, it it was we recently migrated from Blogger to WordPress because WordPress has nat- has better native e-commerce support, I think, and had some capabilities to do what I want. And I wanted to be able to have my own site instead of having it be Google because Google could do whatever they want, um, and I wanted it to just be mine. So we migrated over to WordPress. Uh, I got a, a buddy of mine to help me with the website design. He did a fantastic job. It no longer looks amateurish because uh, I had a pro do it. You know, That's why you hire people because they're good at what they do. And he did a great job, and I really love the new look. Uh, but that's besides the point. Gamingballistic.com is where I am and you know, uh, easy to find um, and uh, fairly responsive. So that's where you can that's where you can find me. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the roundtable today, Doug. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciated talking about uh, dungeon grappling and and you know, gaming is awesome and it's a group of of people and it's a good way to talk about things rather than everything else that's going on in the world. So it's <laughs> it's a great. <laughs> Because <laughs> boy, wouldn't that be fun? But uh, no, but it, it's it's you know it's a great hobby. You really get to interact with a lot of people, um, and and find uh, both great discussions, good controversy, um, likes, dislikes, and and it's a it's a great creative outlet. And I'm I'm you know just you know pl- play one game at the time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull a a bull Durham. You know, just gotta play the games one at a time, and you know just happy to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think you are a great person to have in this community. So thank you so much, man. Appreciate it, James. Man, didn't I tell you? Awesome dude. Knows a ton. Before we go, it's time for our DMs Guild pick of the episode. My pick of the episode is Puzzles, Riddles, and Traps Set 2 from Patrick E. Pullen. These are amazing, ready to drop into any game, puzzles, riddles, and traps in depth. He's got pictures, he's got maps, it's all good, and it's available for 150. 
150 and you get so many great things. So check out from Patrick E. Poen, Puzzles, Riddles, and Traps Set 2. There's a direct link to this product over in the show notes at thetomeshow.com. All right, everybody, you can find me on Twitter at James Intricasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition D&D world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games over there. I'm talking about all kinds of goodness, you guys. Uh, We got adventures for free. We got backgrounds for free. We've got magic items for free. We got monsters for free. So go check it out. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support this show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable.